Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome back to the Puck and Roll podcast. Today is an episode with uh, two-thirds of the cast being sick, one-third of the cast for having just recovered from being sick, and with a very, very special interview with a certain Habs prospect. Aaron, Josh, well, thank you for joining me on the panel today. How are you two doing? I'm doing great because I'm the one that just recovered from being sick. You're, you're and, feeling uh, better than me and Josh are, yeah. I'm very, I'm very excited about this interview with uh, a special Habs prospect coming up. Certain Habs prospect. Uh, Josh, how, how are you faring? Because, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, other than coming down with something this past day, I'm pretty good, all things considered, especially from what we're going to learn later on in the podcast. But yeah, doing fine. I like your outfit that you're wearing today. You know what? Yours isn't that bad either. Uh, just for context for the audience, we are both wearing 2016 Winter Classic jerseys. Josh is sporting a Gallagher jersey. I am sporting a Subban jersey. This is my favorite Habs jersey of all time. I adore it. It just, it, it scratches an itch in my brain that just, I don't know. It's just dopamine. It just, I just love it. I love this jersey. Uh, this Mine came in the mail a couple of days ago, so I've been wearing it more than I typically wear jerseys. Uh, over the past few days. Uh, anyways, to, to kick off the episode, uh, last week, um, we may or may not have berated a certain member of the panel for saying a certain thing about line combinations. And while I, I, I will die on the hill that what he suggested was absurd, you weren't like entirely wrong, Aaron. Uh, so let's talk about the the Caulfield Suzuki dock line, which is different from a Caulfield dock Suzuki line. Okay, so let's be very, very clear here. For anybody who didn't listen to the last episode, I, to much to the chagrin of my fellow panelists, recommended a Nick Suzuki Kirby dock Cole Caulfield line, and that is in a very particular order because I like Kirby dock as a center. And I don't mind Nick Suzuki as a winger. And I think the three of them would play really well together. And craziest thing, the three of them play really well together. Because Doc is a very responsible player in every part of the ice. And he is such an amazing playmaker. Cole Caulfield has an amazing shot. And Nick Suzuki is just a good player. So it doesn't really matter who's at center. 
it's a damn good line. Yeah, I think the key is that Kirby Duck, first of all, trusts his own skill and is confident enough in his own skill that he feels like he deserves to be part of that line. And secondly, his brain keeps up with his line mates. And that's been the big issue in finding the third component to that line. Uh, guys like Rem Pitlick and Mike Hoffman uh, and Josh Anderson, they just they, they, they don't keep up with Suzuki and Caulfield in their complex understanding of defenses and the progression of play in the offensive zone. So having a line mate in Kirby Dog, who I will die on the hill that he is at his best at center. However, if you can play him with your two most skilled players, that makes a very fun line. So I, I don't hate this with Doc on the wing. This is the only situation where I wouldn't hate having Kirby Doc on the wing if you are playing him with your two best players. Uh, and he just, he keeps up with that. He, no, sorry. He doesn't just keep up with that line. He, he, he is at the same level mentally as the two others are. And it made for some very, very fun and interesting offensive zone sequences in that game against Minnesota, where the puck movement was tremendous. Uh, the anticipation shown, even some of the plays that, that didn't work, just the anticipation shown by Kirby Doc uh, in go, like taking a certain route to, towards the net or to find open ice, even if the pass didn't actually make it to him or if his pass didn't make it to his line mate, there are really the workings there of something that could be very interesting in the future. Uh, there were definitely some disjointed plays, but this line has been together for what, two days? Three days, right? So I I don't I don't hate the line. Plus, it's giving Kirby Doc 17 minutes of ice time a game, which I will always be a fan of. Uh so yeah, I I, I quite liked that game for the Doc Suzuki and Caulfield line. Josh, what how about you? I think that the this line is the best line that Montreal has to offer right now. I think that the three of them work really together really well together but ultimately like when i look to the future i see a line of more suzuki doc slavkovsky on the wing not right now obviously but into the future just because i think again doc is a natural center and is best there but right now it works it's good and fun to watch but i just i don't really see the marriage of Caulfield and Suzuki working long term like they do work well together but I don't see the whole they are made for each other type of thing that I hear from a lot of people I think splitting them up would be a better choice and getting some good wingers to match with Suzuki's game would be better than trying to jam people into positions that they're not they shouldn't they're not best suited for to mold around a pairing of Caulfield and Suzuki that I don't think is worth trying to build the team trying to put guys out of position for yeah I, I think that that also makes sense but at least for the time being uh not only is this the most skilled line that the Habs could possibly put together it's also very fun that the Habs' first line, and in that, Minnesota, in that Minnesota game, very clearly the first line in terms of ice time, uh, that all the players are 23 and younger, right? This is not just uh, like the youth making the team. The, the youth 
are the strongest part of this team. And that extends beyond just that top line. Uh, Caden Gooley and Jordan Harris have been this team's two best defensemen this season. Uh, Jonathan Kovacevic, who is 25 years old, but also a rookie, is the person to complete that top three of the best defensemen this season for the Habs, right? Like, this is a team that is not just built on youth. It is built around its youth right now. And that is an important difference in, in my view, because uh, this isn't an organization that is going to prioritize giving ice time to vets as long as they're established. It's giving ice time to those who merit it. And for instance, Kirby Doc, yeah, he, he started the season playing like 13, 14 minutes a night uh, and was the third line center to start. Uh, but he's been one of the best players on this team, if not the best, which I think, and I think you can make an argument for that, despite Conklin's goal, goal scoring, that Kirby Doc has been the most consistent player on this team this year. And because of that, he's now playing 17 minutes a night on the top line. And I think that, that is a very healthy way to build around this organization. And speaking of young players that are very dependable and trustworthy, Owen Beck. Um, Owen Beck's had a very good start to the season. He had a six-point night a couple weeks ago uh, in a single game, uh, and he had nine points in four periods, I believe, uh, which is absurd for any level of hockey, let alone a pretty decent junior hockey league in the OHL. And he's doing it as, as his team's second-line center as well. Like, we have to make that clear. Luca Del Belbelouz is still the first-line center on Mississauga. Uh, so uh, Owen Beck scoring 14 points in 10 games, which sounds okay, but not astronomical. When you contextualize it with ice time and teammates, uh, line mates, and the quality that he's playing with, it's very, very impressive. And Joshua, you met Owen Beck uh, a few days ago, and not only that, you interviewed him for us. How was that? Yeah, first of all, I would just love to thank Mississauga and Guelph, the, the uh, teams themselves and the media personnel that were able to put this together. It was uh, fantastic working with them and getting this all together. And right after Guelph gave a pretty decent thumping to Mississauga, 6-3, to three, I got to speak with Owen Beck right out of the locker room. And first of all, he's a great guy, super down to earth and very mature for his age. It's hard to believe that he's still just a teenager going in there, playing the game that he plays and the way that he speaks as we'll hear in a second. But he's just all around great guy, great interview, great hockey player. And it was a ton of fun watching him live and a ton of fun talking with him and on that note i think we should run the interview so here is owen beck hey i'm here with owen beck unfortunately the result wasn't there today but congratulations on everything being drafted by montreal your first big contract and the great start to the season can you tell me what the past month or two has felt like for this yeah, it's been really exciting. I mean, uh, getting the chance to go to Montreal and uh, get that experience at camp and a bit of an extended stay there it was really good. Um, yeah, I mean, that kind of just led back into the into the good start um, this season for me. And um, 
you know, it's uh, but we got to get going as a team right now, and um, you know, uh, you know, I got to try and lead the uh, lead the team and help them, uh, you know, get going again. For sure, yeah. And that extended stay it came with a lot of media attention of how well you were doing. Did the, were you aware of that, and did that affect you in any way at all? Well, it was nice to have positive feedback. Um, you know, it was, it, I was uh, fortunate enough not to hear any negative feedback, and, uh, you know, that kind of just fuels you. Um, you know, just tells you to keep doing what you're doing, and, uh, you know, that's kind of the way I took it, and that's how I approach it. So you're like the fulcrum, the uh, power leader through your line. Um, obviously, you got six points, six goals, six assists. What habits do you think allows you to drive play through the transition to neutral zone so well? Um, yeah, I think just uh, that goes back to my speed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm effective at using it through the neutral zone and it creates chances for me. And lastly, uh, how's the Elantra doing? Sorry, say that again? How's the Elantra doing? <laughs> uh, it's doing really well. It's a good purchase. Uh, okay. I'm enjoying it. Great to hear. Thanks. All right, thank you. That was an awesome interview, Josh. Uh, thank you for sneaking in some of our questions uh, into that interview, including the Elantra question, which came directly that was, from That was huge for me. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he got all giddy in the Discord afterwards. Um, so yeah, awesome job getting that interview for us. And Aaron, you said that you had some some interesting factoids uh, and so, quiz questions about Owen Beck. Would you be shocked to learn that Owen Beck wasn't our only thirty third overall pick in this decade? He was the oh, first in the Kent Hughes era, but. In 2012, Mark Bergevin went up to the stage and selected Sebastian Kahlberg, 33rd overall. And I, I learned directly after I, I said that to this uh, to the group that apparently we flipped him and got Thomas Vanek, which is very good. I believe, I believe it was Kohlberg in a second for Vanek, which all okay. things considered for a deadline acquisition of Thomas Vanek at the end of his prime it was a pretty pretty good deal for the Habs. Best asset management by Mark Bergevin ever. Look, we had, we actually we, we had some success in the uh, early 30s because 20, uh, 2013, we got Jacob DeLaRose and uh, who's the goalie that's doing really well in Washington right now? Do we, okay, well is a... Can, yeah, Zach who's Bucali, the one that had the two Zach, Zach Bucali. Zach, Zach Bucali, yeah. It was, it was the okay, year I the Habs had three second-round picks, I believe. It was DeLaRose, uh, Fucali, and Kohlberg, right? No. Uh, no, Colbert was here before. I can, I can check that. I, I was literally just looking at oh, the list. Oh, it was, was Lekkonen. Okay. Sorry. Uh, it, it was Lekkonen. Lekkonen was Oh, we actually got a good one. Yeah, it was Lekkonen. Okay. And then just one more little fact about about 33rd overall picks. Louis Erickson, James Neal, and Ryan O'Reilly were all 33rd overall picks. And I think Owen Beck could be better than all of them and will probably be better than two of them. All of Well, okay. I'm sorry. Like, like you got to uh. Okay. Well, hey, I'm being positive. Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly is not only a captain in the National Hockey League, he won a con smite. Like, like, like I love Owen Beck, but if our expectation is better than Ryan O'Reilly, we are doing Owen Beck a disservice. Yeah, uh, no, there's yeah. some there's some weird captains in the league, so I don't really value that all that much. Okay, a, a con smite. I'm sorry. Kyle Ocposo. A con smite. Playoff MVP. Okay, but- like, I, I think that Jordan Bennington should have won Icon Smythe, but that's something we'll we'll discuss at a different date. You know, I, I think Jake Allen deserved to win it just for being the heartwarming mascot the fact that he of that didn't team. Play. Yeah, he was he just he he made everyone happy in that lineup because he's a good guy. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Owen Beck has had a great start to the OHL season after a tremendous training camp where he shocked even his biggest fans uh, in the scouting world, myself included. I liked Owen Beck a lot last year. I ranked him 23rd overall, just one spot behind uh, uh, Marco Casper. Um, he, he's just been very, very, very impressive in just the refinement of what made him so good last year, which is exactly what you want to see from a player like Beck, who even last year was so well refined had such a clear identity as a play-driving centerman, responsible in his own end, elite in the face-off dot, uh, plays with speed, which uh, Owen did say himself in that interview as being a key component of his game in transition. Having that kind of a clear identity, not only does it give you a solid foundation to build off of, it also helps coaches trust you, not just now, the junior level but also if you were to theoretically make the Habs next year he would do fine in a bottom six role coaches would not have to worry about needing to give him high skill line mates or matchups uh to help him out because he is already so responsible and intelligent and has a great hockey sense that he would fit in very nicely with that and uh he did say in a different interview uh recently that uh, his goal is uh, to make the abs next season. And I can see why, because he is so well refined. He doesn't need another year in the OHL after this one, I don't believe. But I do think that having this year in the OHL was an important one. But it's just great to see that uh, a player that, that the Habs picked outside of the first round is progressing so nicely and is also just a joy to listen to and talk to. Uh, I'm sure you noticed that in this interview with Josh, but throughout training camp, uh, just such an intelligent person, uh, much like Jordan Harris, where every interview is legitimately insightful and engaging and interesting to listen to, uh, which is not what you usually say about hockey player interviews. And that's another reason that I was so excited when Josh got this interview, because not only was it a highly talented Habs prospect, this is a guy who just great at interviews and it's just a joy to listen to him talk so i was very very happy to hear that josh got this uh so josh hey, any may- last comments maybe we should uh give some love to the interviewer too the interviewer is like hey, i'm sorry i'm so i i we are hyper focusing <laughs> on the subject of the interview without concentrating on the pure skill of the interviewer so josh a commendable performance there uh asked some amazing questions uh really like the tempo of the interview was was great uh the follow-up questions were lovely uh and you somehow kept i was gonna comment on the tempo yeah yeah it was just great uh one thing for watching the game in person that a lot of people maybe don't pick up on if you don't watch his games is that he is the second center on mississauga behind Bell blues so Pretty much every face off that I saw him come out to take was in the defensive zone. So you could just imagine what he would be able to produce up the lineup and getting those prime offensive face offs instead of just starting in the in his own zone. But it helps develop his defensive game, which is already at a very good high level, and his transitions are just near elite at this point in the OHL level is just a joy to watch. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, 
I I really love that interview. But I was really grinning when I was listening to it for the first time because I have listened to that multiple times already. Um, and yeah, let let's transition to a player that I I, I just uh, mentioned for a different reason and uh, his defensive pairing mate for this season. Jordan Harris and Jonathan Kovacevic uh, have played together every single game this year so far. And against the Minnesota Wild, they were actually the Habs' most used defensive pairing. They were the first pairing in that game in terms of ice time and matchups. And it's because they both play very dependable games and they complement each other excellently. Uh, Kovacevic uh, is very... Like he plays a physical brand of hockey, very intelligent in the defensive zone, as is Jordan Harris. Uh, can clear the net front. Uh, his defensive positioning is excellent, but he lacks puck skills. Uh, he's not a high end skater. Uh, his, his passing accuracy is fine, but nothing standout. And those are all things that, that Jordan Harris does at a very high level already. And it's why they complement each other so well. Uh, also, because Kovacevic can be that dependable player, it frees Harris up to be a bit more offensive, something that he wasn't even able to do in his last year in college where he had to be the defensive stalwart and he wasn't able to take all the offensive plays. So I've really appreciated this pairing so far, uh, but what are your thoughts on them? Definitely the two most surprising players on Montreal this year, in my opinion. Like, um Kovacic was picked up off Rafers, and pretty much the consensus was that he's an overage prospect that is a one-dimensional kind of physical defensive defenseman that's just going to stop gap until Edmondson or Matheson come back, whichever comes first. And that was kind of it, but he's proven to be a lot more defensively aware and responsible than I think anyone was really ever expecting him, especially with a another surprising guy, Jordan Harris, because we could talk about the rise of Gooley and but he was a first round pick and he was looking to be good. I think it's, it's how quick he's come up, but Harris was drafted in the third round in like 2018. So it's a bit more surprising that he could just come right into the league like this and just be as mature and good as he's been right now with a another rookie defender on his on his side. It's just been amazing. They've surprisingly have complemented each other really well and really makes this a hard decision when guys start coming back who's who's coming and who's going. Yeah, for sure. And one thing that I noted when I did some preseason scouting on Kovacevic right after the waiver claim, uh, I watched some of his AHL game tape, um, like the day of the claim. And uh, my notes basically said, like, this is probably a seventh defenseman, very limited uh, in terms of his ability, uh, poor puck skills, not an amazing skater, but very, very aware defensively. So he had that identity, which I knew. And I did make one little note that said, I think he would be an amazing pairing with Jordan Harris, but I don't know how he'd fit in with any other player. 
And I stand by that. I, I, I still think that if he plays with basically any other player except for Caden Gooley on that roster, maybe Matheson could, could, could fill that role as well. But he needs a mobile, puck-moving left defenseman to complement him because if he has to bear the responsibility of, of progressing play and breakouts and zone exits, he's going to – I think he's going to really, really struggle at the NHL level. Uh, we haven't seen him put in that position yet, so it's it's kind of just I don't know. I'm just guessing at this point, but uh, I think that playing with Harris has been key for him. Uh, and I'm also curious, as Josh was mentioning, once we do see Matheson and Edmondson come back, uh, do you keep both of these players in the lineup? Like Jordan Harris has to stay. I think that that much is clear. But do you keep in Kavasevich, uh once everyone is back? healthy because i think you almost have to in a sense they've been that good together and if that's your third pairing i think you're doing very well for yourself given the context of what montreal has to work with here on defense i'm not saying that they're an elite pairing but they've been solid haven't they so a couple of days before uh savage got put on waivers i don't know who it was but somebody put on a player card that had like 99 offense, 99 defense, 100 overall. And uh, like that was already a little iffy because I'd literally never heard of him before, before that day. But he's very responsible defensively. He he's, is. Uh, yeah. Wildly, he's so intelligent. He knows where to be at the right time. It's really, it's just the, the skill isn't 100% there. But I think he's a legit seventh defenseman. And I think. He's not a bad six, and he's found this. He's found this spot, and I think it's really good. I I agree, and I think this this transitions us nicely to another thing that we want to talk about here, and that's okay if if we're saying Kavasevich has to stay in the lineup and Harris does. Who gets the boot when Edmondson? Well, personally, when Edmondson comes back. And then when Edmondson and Madison are back, Chris Weidman. Savard. <laughs> well, I mean, you see what just happened no, here. I should, mean, uh, should or will? I think. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. He will not Savard. I I think Chris Weidman's a legit choice here. I, I, like for me, it, I think it has to be Weidman and Jackeye. Like I, I I've liked Arbor Jackeye this season. I think he's he's outperformed my expectations in terms of especially his discipline. Like he's not been taking boneheaded penalties like he was in the OHL last season, which is key because he's good when he's on the ice. He's not so good when he's in the penalty box and not contributing or hurting his team. Um, but Chris Weidman has struggled this year, and yeah, what 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 do the Habs? do when when they're all back so are, are we saying jack eye to laval and weidman is seventh d is that what we're saying here weidman's whoever picks him up on waivers Ooh, okay interesting at a certain point we we just don't have the roster spots anymore that's fair and then if someone claims them and then you have injuries you still have Shuneman, leskinen baron jack eye Nice I think Baron Bar- has to be at the top of that column sheet at this point. He's looked really good in Laval. He's looked very good in Laval, but I think the whole point of having him in Laval this year is for him to look good in Laval because he's shown that he's 
not fully ready for the NHL, right? Like we want him to dominate for a full season. And there's no real point in forcing him into the NHL this year because we have a lot of players around his level right now with Schooneman and Leskinen and Jackeye and Weidman and Kamasevich and the list goes on. Uh, but it still is a great sign that he's doing well. Also, Matthias Nordlander has looked very nice in Laval this season, which is also great to see. But yeah, okay, Josh, what, what would your plan be of, of firstly, who gets kicked out of the lineup, like which two names, and then which one gets sent down? Yeah, it's tough because... I mean, Chris Weidman's obvious name, but I don't think that he makes it through waivers. He's on a league min salary of $750,000 right now. And he was the uh, leading defensive scorer in the KHL like two years ago. And he scored, what, 26 points in like 60-something games last season? Like he he put up decent numbers. I think he to be on the first power play unit, of course, but still. Yeah, naturally. I don't think he makes it through, but I think that's just a something that we're gonna have to deal with because unfortunately, like I have to send Jack Eye down because listening to what you guys said last week about especially you with the um gotta just live to fight down there, that it yeah. might not be best for his development but there's just no one else on this team that you can take off like you can't send Harris down over Jackai. no like you can't send Kovacevic and I don't think that would even like at this point sending Kovacevic down to the AHL that's not going to develop him any further he's kind of and he probably get claimed. he is yeah exactly because he would absolutely get claimed. At this yeah. point, I think he would like he's playing twenty like he's he's been playing like nineteen minutes a night for the last few games, doing putting up good results on a very good pairing. Like there are a lot worse defensemen playing the NHL right now than Jonathan Kovacevic. Yeah, so I mean it it is tough. I but just the way that everyone else is playing, Shaka is the, the one that's out that. It's unfortunate, but um, I think trying to send him down might not be the worst thing in the world. Like, there is the whole thing, but if you could try and keep him away from the especially fighting and gooning aspect down there, then we could see him develop some more skills down there against lighter competition, just making sure that he's not fighting every game and trying to like measure up against some of these tough guys and like a tough situation that's it's not the best thing ideal would stay up but honestly there's no other answer unfortunately yeah and i think on that note josh since you just left us with that lovely monologue it is time for your segment of this podcast this day in Habs history, Josh, what do you have prepared for us today? Well, we had a hot take last week, so I think we'll have a hot take again this week. On this day, the year of our Lord, 2016, Montreal Canadiens defeat the Vancouver Canucks 3-0 with goals from Nathan Beaulieu, Tori Mitchell, and Alexander Radulov. 
give the team a 9-0-1 record on the season as the Habs were the only remaining undefeated team left. It was also Carey Price's 37th career shutout. Price currently has 49 career shutouts, and time will tell if there will be any more. In 1968, Jean Beliveau scored just under five minutes into the first period to pot the first goal in the new Forum building. As the league had recently expanded, the original six Canadians got a brand new barn and celebrated it by beating the Gordie Howe Ruins 2-1. Interestingly enough, that Detroit team had brothers Frank and Pete Mahovlich play. The brothers would later be reunited and both play for Montreal later on in their careers. Only one Hab was born on November 2nd, that being Rick Meager in 1953 in Belleville, Ontario. Meager was undrafted but signed with Montreal. He had a meager uh, time in Montreal, only playing two NHL games before being shipped off to Hartford for draft picks, none of which made it to the NHL. Meager came into his own in the late 80s with the St. Louis Blues, becoming their captain and winning the Selkie Trophy in 1989-1990. And lastly, in 2017, Austin Matthews was awarded two penalty shots in one game. He was the fourth player to receive Jarners. The other three include Detroit Red Wings lifer Mud Brunto, also known for scoring the goal to end the longest ever hockey game, former Canadians Max Pacioretty, and Eric Cole, now, I'm not saying that there's a 66 and two-third chance that Austin Matthews will end up playing for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, this is maybe a little funny coincidence. Well, thank you, Josh. Uh, your segment is... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Always a pleasure. And now uh, for our last NHL topic of the episode, the Habs goaltending. Samuel Montembeau and Jake Allen, well, Jake Allen primarily, but Montembeau has been very, very good as well have carried this team. Uh, they have been among the best goaltenders in the entire NHL, among the eight best in the entire NHL, in terms of uh, goals stayed above expected per 60. That's mouthful, I know. Ba- basically just means they're stopping a lot more shots than they should, uh, and like a lot, lot more. Uh, so, Aaron, Josh, do you firstly think that this is sustainable for longer than like 20, 30, 40 games with excellent goaltending, uh, which yes would give no. the Habs excellent trade chips. Uh, or do you think that uh, they're going to f- regress and that the Habs as a whole are going to regress as a result? Because the Habs have exceeded expectations in terms of wins this season, but without that goaltending, they'd be bottom seven in the league all over again. Yeah. I think that Jake Allen extension is looking bad just because it kind of limits the trade possibilities because we already made the commitment to him. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be right to trade him. 
at the same time. At the, at the same time, if if the Habs get offered an unprotected 2023 first round draft pick, you have to take it. Yeah, exactly. I don't think Allen's numbers are sustainable. However, I think Montembeau's numbers are sustainable. Let me explain. Buddy, you were you were the same person that was saying to me two weeks ago that you wanted the Habs to claim Connor Ingram off waivers to replace Montembeau. Okay. Uh, that's because I wanted the team to be bad. But Samuel <laughs> Montembeau played 38 games last year with a messed up wrist and still put up like an 899. Now he's healthy. He's looked very, very athletic. He's been moving very lateral. Like his lateral movement's been really good. He's aware. Uh, I, I just, I, I like Samuel Montembeau. And like, I want him to be successful. To me- to me, Montembeau, he's so chaotic in goal, but we've seen goalies have success with that kind of style, right? Look at like Peter Mrazek in his in his Carolina days. We're not saying now, we're not saying in Toronto, but in his prime in Carolina, the style worked for him when he didn't play the majority of the games in the season, which Montembeau doesn't, because a chaotic style is also just more exhausting. You cannot do I'm that. I'm just going to mention this again, because every single time somebody mentions Peter Mrazek, I have to bring it up. The Leafs lost, lost Peter Mrazek over $700,000 because Freddie Anderson's making four and a half and Mrazek got 3.8. That's unfortunate. Yeah. That is very unfortunate. So Especially so since happy. they, a year after signing that deal, they moved him to Chicago and had to move down from uh, 25 to 38. 25 to 38. And from everything I've heard uh, within scouting, if the Leafs had drafted at 25, one at, at least a name that was at least in the top two of was Brad they would have picked. No, uh, Owen Beck. Owen Beck oh, was their okay. guy. Ooh, ouch! At at twenty five, I'm not not fully certain that he would have been the guy that they would have picked, but he was definitely like among their their considerations. I mean, they they, they sure as hell made guys. it sound like they wanted Fraser Minton the entire time. Just made the trade sound a little less but, bad. It made it sound less bad. It's also a vote of confidence in the player. And, and I don't mind an organization doing that, right? Because it gives a player like Minton more confidence, right? And you, you want your young players to be confident. So I don't mind white lies like that. Same thing with, with the Habs uh, when they pulled up the, the, the Foley trade. And they really harped on the fact that they wanted Heinemann, right? Like he was not a throw-in. He yeah. was a guy that they pursued heavily in the trade negotiations. I like it when organizations have the backs of young players, especially when those young players have had adversity, right? Like Emil Heinemann. And, and it's was, funny. That was the second time he was traded before he played an NHL game, right? Well, like Heinemann and Toffoli are pretty similar players. Not the fastest, yeah. very good scorer. Again, Toffoli is the ceiling for Heinemann, but yes, I can yeah. see where we're coming from, right? Uh, but 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 back, back to uh, where I was going, which was... What, 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 where was I going with this again? Goaltending. How did we get here from goaltending? How did we end up at, at Heinemann and Minton from goaltending? Uh, this is why you listen to the Puck and Roll podcast. Uh, we go on tangents all the time. Uh, so, yes, uh, sustainable, not sustainable. or And if, if they keep it going or if they don't, sorry, no. sustainable or not sustainable, or if they crash and burn from now on, where do you think the Habs will be in terms of records uh, without the level of goaltending that they've had so far this season? 
it's like I do like Samuel Montembeau, and I liked him last year too because he, if you actually watched him in the games, and it, a lot of those losses weren't on him; they were on the team in front of him because the team was just absolutely terrible, and he kept them into a lot of games that they shouldn't be in. I mean, we say that a lot about goalies, but it, it's true. And now that he has a better team in front of him, he's putting up better numbers. I just like if you look at every expected goals against goals for Montreal is above the expected. And it I don't think it's gonna be a huge crash like we're thinking of just like the expected goals against. So just get filled in. But I just think everything will gradually settle down to where it should be and I, I think there's still like a sub like a pretty sub 500 team um, I would say maybe top 10 bottom 10 top 10 in the draft but not I don't feel confident or unconfident enough to say top 5 I don't think they're that bad and there's other teams that are worse than them but I think Right around five to ten, the fifth to tenth worst team is where Montreal is going to end up at the end of it. And I think a lot of individuals are going to have good seasons, but it's just not going to come together enough. I agree, I agree with most of that, except the teams that are worse than the Habs are also playing wildly good hockey. It's like the Blackhawks, Philadelphia, Blackhawks and the Flyers. Like I just read an article today because uh, John Tortorella came to Sheldon Keefe's defense, saying that he's like a really good coach and like we we shouldn't be uh, mocking him. Like you know what? Maybe this John Tortorella guy. Maybe there's a reason he's been coaching for like 29 years because that Flyers team has no right to have a winning record. Well, no, because they're bad. Is Luke Luke Richardson amazing? Like is Luke Richardson the answer here? But look, all these teams Max are the vastly answer. overperforming. No, it's Andreas Athanasiu, who you adore, and he who scored an absolutely incredible goal. He Have scored you seen the goal highlight? of the year. Gorgeous, gorgeous thing. But, uh, but Max no, Domi's like, going to top his point total. He's going to top his point record. Wait, how, how many points does he have this year? Enough, but he's playing with Patrick Kane. Let me check that. Yeah, but I mean, like Kirby Dog played with Patrick Kane a decent amount last season and only had 26 points. Max Domi has seven points in 10 games, four goals, three assists. I mean, Kirby Dog has six and 10, and he's not playing with Patrick Kane. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, all those teams are overperforming. I think that that is clear to say. None of those teams have playoff aspirations, unless you ask Joel Edmondson, who believes that the Habs have playoff aspirations. Uh, but apart from that, I think everyone can agree that the Habs are going to regress and they're not going to be in a playoff spot. Um, and I'm not, are, are they, are they clinging onto a wild card spot right now? I, I, I think they're, they're close to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's just been, it, it's been a very weird season so far. Uh, but a season that hasn't been so weird because it's just been absurd. Uh, and Josh can attest to this. Philip Meshar uh, has been lighting the OHL on fire. And just making it, uh, well, I, I don't know. He's, he's making me entirely cry when he's playing because he has been incredible so far. And Josh, you got to watch uh, Meshar not only play live, but score an OT winner live. 
how was that experience and how did MeshR play? That's beautiful. It was actually absolutely stunning. Um, the game itself was a lot of fun. I got to see, um, I think, Anaheim draft pick Sasha Pastujov make one of the funniest dives I've ever seen in a hockey game, beautiful. at least recently. Uh, he got a tap on the shin right near the bench as he was going off at the end of the period and then decided to limp around half the ice and got a diving penalty. So it's a lot of fun. You love when those diving penalties are actually called. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And I mean, I don't think there's a lot of people saying that Mesar is too good for the OHL. I don't think it's quite that level, but he is just a ton of fun to watch. Like every time he touches a puck or is on the ice, like he's, he's one of those guys that his presence is felt every single time he leaps from the bench and on his line he just everything flows through him he's got the puck in the neutral zone he's got it in the offensive zone and he's keeping plays alive and working through it which is not a mean feat when he's on a line with a first a hopeful first rounder in Carson Raycock and a past second rounder Francesco Pinelli who are both very good players in their own right. And even and speaking of Pinelli, I need my transition here. I saw that coming. Aaron did too. <laughs> speaking of Pinelli, his younger brother, Lucas, even better. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Josh, for setting me up. I love that. Aaron saw it coming. That was beautiful. Um, Luca Pinelli is a draft eligible centerman. So, yes, this is we're back to the, the prospect segments that you saw at the entirety of last year. Uh, where I just hype up draft eligible players that I like uh, and perhaps also cover some players I'm less high on. Uh, but today it's all positives and we're sticking in the OHL. So Luca Pinelli, uh, he is uh, the first, he's, a, he's playing on the first line with the Ottawa 67s and he played with the 67s last year as well. And considering that I live in Ottawa and go to like 20 plus 67s games per season, I've watched a lot of Luca Pinelli, and it has been a delightful experience. Uh, he is one of the least frustrating players to watch. Um, highly intelligent. Uh, he's a natural center, uh, though this season he's been playing on the wing because he's been on the first line with uh, Vincent Rohr and uh, Tyler Boucher. Uh, so despite the fact that he's on a line with a former 10th overall pick and a very recent third round draft pick, a Montreal draft pick, might I add, uh, Pinelli's the smartest player on the line. He's the most skilled player on the line, despite being two years younger than Boucher. Um, who uh, I feel bad for Boucher, he gets too much flack because he didn't deserve to go 10th overall and just has such unrealistic expectations set on him because of that. Uh, however, uh, Pinelli, he's an undersized, uh, center i'm gonna call him a center despite him not playing center this season because he's excellent in that position uh undersized centerman uh with below average skating ability uh the mechanics are fine um but just they don't stand out the edge work is decent uh but it's just the the power and the strides that despite him having a very very strong lower body hasn't quite transferred that into having strong stride mechanics and actually getting power from his strides and typically undersized uh and not great skating centermen 
fall in the draft. And I always love players that I expect to fall in the draft. And Nelly is one of them. Uh, he is the smartest player on the, on the City Sevens, a team which has gone nine and one this season, I do believe. Uh, they are one of the top CHL teams, at, like, period. Uh, they've been tremendous, and Pinelli is their best player, in my view. Uh, he has tremendous ad- adaptive skill. Uh, he changes the pace, has a great delay game upon entering the offensive zone, is a high-end playmaker, uh, has some really nifty board work where he can get the puck off the boards and into open ice right onto the, the, the tape of a teammate. Uh, just consistently does the small details well, while also having a great shot, like a really, really solid release. Like he's kind of used as a trigger man on the power play where when he should be used as more of a creator because his playmaking is his standout ability. Uh, his vision is tremendous. He can set up teammates that no one else on his team can really find those passes that he can. And it's very, very impressive. So Luca Pinelli is probably... He's my early favorite player in this draft class to watch. Uh, so last year I had guys like Lane Hudson, Frank Nazer, and Jagger Fergus and Brad Lambert. This year, uh, I know for sure that Luca Pinelli is going to be on that list of players that I just adore watching. Uh, another guy, uh, Callum Ritchie. Uh, so, okay, Pinelli is not yet ranked as a first rounder. I think once the time comes of the NHL draft, he's probably going to go somewhere between 25 and 60. Uh, Cam Rich, uh, not, not, not Cam Ritchie, Callum Ritchie uh, is going to be a top 10 pick. Uh, if he falls outside, I would be absolutely shocked. Uh, I think he is potentially even a top five talent in this draft class, which is really saying something considering how strong the 2023 draft is. Uh, he it has an elite hockey mind. I would say he's probably among the five most intelligent players in the entire OHL as a 17-year-old, which is really saying a lot. Uh, His anticipation is incredible. He is an elite playmaker. He uh, progresses play so well in transition, and he is is a god. He's the god of stick lifts. This man will pickpocket anyone at any time, and it happens all the time, and it's so much fun. Uh, he just swoops in, stick lift, puck, and gone the other way. Uh, his skating isn't his biggest strength, but he's fast enough to get a fast breakout. Uh, he is also, despite being a creative playmaker and a centerman, which is typically associated with being kind of passive and watching the play develop, he's very intense. Uh, he plays with real grit, uh, which is also why I'd be shocked if he fell outside the top 10, because he has... He has it all, basically, including that physicality. Just he plays a lot heavier than his 187 pounds. Uh, he's six foot two. He's a natural center. Uh, with the puck, he always attacks the center lane. He's inside driven. He has everything you really want in a center prospect. And from what I've seen so far, would probably have been my first overall ranked player if he were in the 2022 class which you can say about a lot of players in the 2023 class. Like, I, I really do believe that, obviously, Conor Bedard and Adam Fantilli, Matt Michkov, but you, you can go down the list of guys like Richie and Benson uh, and Jaeger. A couple, Jaeger, potentially, I'm not, I'm not quite sold on I, I have him over right. You see, I'm not, I'm not sold on that one yet. Uh, but for me right now, I would probably have... Um, right at sixth if he were in this class 
behind at six. Yeah, so for me, he'd be behind Richie, um, Benson, uh, Bedard, Mitchkov, and Ben Hilly. But I have a lot of scouting left. I have, oh, sorry, no, sorry, seventh, uh, Leo Carlson. Sorry, yeah, of course. Oh my God. Leo, Leo Carlson's Carlson. in there. Uh, so seventh, uh, Leo Carlson is also amazing. Uh, but guys like Adam, uh, no, uh, uh, sorry, is it Adam? Chalet, uh, the Czech. No, no, the Czech. Ed- Edward Chalet. Um, yeah. there are a few, there are a few other guys that I just I haven't seen, I haven't watched enough to be able to rank them yet. Uh, but this class is exceptionally strong, and I really do believe that uh, Cal Ritchie is in that not top tier, but in that third tier. I think that that there really are clear tiers so far of Bedard as the top player, and you have Mitchkov and Fantilli really battling it out for second and third, and then not too far behind them, you have a tier of. I don't know. Somewhere between Zach Benson, Leo Carlson. Players. Uh, you have a lot of players that are really tight. Um, but I do believe that that Wright would have been in that tier. And I I I just don't think he would have he would have gotten ahead of Carlson, Richie, uh, or Benson for me. From what I've seen what, so what far. What Carlson's doing right now is ridiculous. Like it's, it's unprecedented. Just... This is the year of unprecedented. Uh, Matt Bay Michkov is breaking records. Uh, Connor Bedard is breaking records. Adam Fantilli is breaking records. Leo Carlson's like, breaking records. Right? Connor Bedard is the worst Pianicelli out of like the, that top three. And he has like, what, 23 points in like a 12 games or something? Exactly. At, at that point, you're you're splitting hairs in terms of pro- point production. You have to have, rely on the actual scouting work yeah. to, to separate. But this draft class just has me so excited as a scout because it's a treat to watch at this top end. Um, there are other players that I've watched so far that I expected to be first round names that have frustrated me to no end. Uh, Daniel Boot is, is is the quintessential name that comes to mind there of just, oof. Uh, I, I The game report I wrote for Dabber Prospects after that uh, is, an, is an essay and it is very much a rant. Um, and yeah. Uh, however, the top end of this class is, it's not just the extreme skill, it's the combination of extreme skill with, with high-end intelligence and pro-ready tools. And that is, having this many players have that combination is literally incredible, right? Like, if the Habs don't get a top three pick this year and end up seventh overall, but they get Callum Ritchie seventh overall, I am hyped. Right, like Callum Ritchie in an average draft class goes second overall, in my view. This is a tremendous player, and he could fall outside the top five in this year because of how stacked it is. Right, even as like Adam Fantilli is a second line center in the NHL right now. At least, like like Adam Fantilli yeah, like is tremendously refined. Center. Right, like he uh, honestly, I, Adam I finally Fantilli watched. Is is amazing. Last, He's an amazing player. Last, right, like, last night like, I finally watched Adam Fantilli. And he is way better than I thought. And I've had the two over Mitchkov. He is like insanely good. You see, I, I, I'm, I'm the more I'm, I'm watching of both, the closer I get to you. Of, of, of actually, like, like I think right now, if I were to have to pick someone with two, I probably would go Fantilli over Mitchkov, uh, just because you have or an if, upside if you that, is, that is quite similar. Like, like Mitchkov, Mitchkov's upside, I think, is a little bit higher than. Uh, ben Fantilli's, but Fantilli, firstly, is a centerman. Uh, he plays a an actual 200-foot game, whereas Mitchkov's defensive effort is yeah. hilarious. Uh, that, that's the reason way. I have Fantilli at two. Uh, 
he also just has a more refined offensive toolkit, in my view, Fantilli. As of now, I think that Mishkovs could develop and become better. Uh, like Mishkov reminds me a lot of a draft year plus two Cole Caulfield, which says a lot about that upside, right? Like he is yeah. incredible. Uh, Fantilli is just like he has the insane upside. He has the insanely high floor. Uh, he plays a pro ready game. He, he'd be in NHL right now and would not look at a place in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and this is also why it's such an exciting draft class because, like, for instance, this year we have what three players from the 2022 draft yeah. played in the NHL uh, in Slavkovsky, Wright, and Yurchek. This draft class, you're going to see maybe seven players start in the NHL, uh, which would be absurd. Like that, that is an absurdly high amount, especially considering how much the NHL has developed in the last 10 years. Like you used to see first overall picks come in and dominate as soon as they hit the NHL ice. And that's just not something that happens anymore, unless it is an outstanding talent. But this draft is just filled to the brim with outstanding talents. And there's so much to be excited for. Uh, so yes, the Habs with the start may not end up getting Connor Bedard, which of course you, you would love to get Connor Bedard, but this is not a year of Bedard or bust, right? It is Bedard or elite other player. If you're picking top 10 and I'd be very surprised if the Habs didn't pick top 10, uh, considering how much they're overperforming their, like their expected play this season. And, and it's entirely possible. We have another top 15 pick from Florida. Exactly. A lot can happen, right? And the Florida Panthers have actually been decent to start the year, to be fair to them. But any team coached by Paul Maurice uh, without a defensive core that is functional in any way, shape, or form, I don't know. That is questionable to me uh, of, of, of whether they're playoff locks. And yeah, again, if the Habs could always just get lucky in the lottery, right? Like, of course, if the Habs win a lottery, you're going to have tons of social media posts of it being rigged and whatever, but who would care, right? If the Habs get a top two pick, they get a top If two it's pick. rigged, that's fine. Of course, we, we wouldn't mind, right? But, like, but yeah, unless, think, the, unless the Devils hop from nine to one again, like... If the Devils get it again, like, I'd be very upset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have but, no right to have that centered up. No, I mean, yeah. Uh, especially if they had picked right, imagine if they had right Heeshear, uh, Hughes, and Bedard. Like it's just like, oh, our fourth line center was a first overall pick. Oh no! Uh, but yeah, I think I think that wraps us up for this episode. So uh, thank you, Aaron and Josh, for joining us. Thank you, Josh, again for that incredible skilled interview of Owen Beck. Uh, we really appreciate having had that on this show. Uh, and thank you to all you listeners for uh, staying until the end. We we really do appreciate the audience retention. Uh, so I believe on that note, we're going to end it for this week and we will see you again next week. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. 
Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.